Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Hello, welcome back to the Supernatural Cast. I am Jimmy and Georgia, your host, and we're back here to talk Supernatural Season 8, Episode Number 2. What's up, Tiger Mommy? And it's kind of a random name this week. And we are here, once again, as we say, to discuss the Supernatural. And uh, again, if you're first joining us here, we have been re-watching Season 1 up to Episode 11. And then last week with Episode 12, we have jumped to the new season of you know, it's back here for the fall season. We've had two episodes thus far. Wednesday now to be episode three. And we are looking forward to more goodness this year. It looks like the Winchester boys are going to be trying to shut the gates of hell forever. And so, I guess we'll see how that goes. Currently, they're without a prophet and without the word of God. So, they are not looking in too good a shape of accomplishing this mission just yet. And uh, definitely lots of secrets to be learned from the year they spent apart still to come. One thing we're going to do a little bit differently here, just briefly, um, I'll talk a little about the ratings, I suppose, uh, as we talk about that. And then we're going to jump into our feedback section. We've been doing that near the end of the show. We're going to put that here at the front part of the show. I think that'll be good, um, especially since some of this feedback is for um, other things besides the new episode, necessarily. Um, And so I think that'll work out pretty well. And uh, we do want to say that. But one thing I do want to mention here with the Supernatural Episode 2 of Season 8, the ratings were up over the premiere, um, which is definitely a good thing there. Uh, Of course, the premiere was up against the first presidential debate. The CW was the only network channel that actually aired original broadcast of some drama or anything else at that time. So it was up to 2.58 million viewers which is up about 738,000 viewers from the previous week. And then the uh, all-important 18-49 to category was up to 1 million viewers. Last week it was actually 800,000. So that's definitely an improvement. And so good news there in the ratings. So yeah, I mean, I I think last week we mentioned how Episode 1's rating actually was kind of in line with the averages of Season 7. And so, yeah, not looking too bad. Uh, All right, we're going to go ahead, like I mentioned, and jump into our... Supernatural Cast feedback, where we hear from you, the listeners of the Supernatural Cast. And we're going to start off that here just after we hear our little music. Supernatural Cast feedback. All right, well, our first um, input this week is from Kristen. She emailed in on the 12th, and she says, Hello, Jimmy and George. I just started watching Supernatural one one to one and a half months ago, and I love it. It was pretty exciting for me to come across your podcast when I did. I'm about halfway through the fifth season, so I'm not actually gone back to rewatch the episodes, but I still remember them well since I watched them not too long ago. With that in mind, I do have one question or maybe comment about Bloody Mary episode. You mentioned that you aren't really sure how the dad got caught up in Bloody Mary when he wasn't the one um, to summon her. My only thought is that maybe he was looking into a mirror at the same time his daughter said her name. Um, like I said, I haven't confirmed that by rewatching it, but it seems like it might have opened him up to her attack. Also wanted to say thanks for making these podcasts. I enjoy listening to them, Kristen. Well, thank you for listening, Kristen. Thank you for emailing in. I definitely appreciate that as well. I think I'd have to kind of go back, just kind of like we were saying. I think I'd have to go back and kind of double check. I feel like somewhere in the episode, um, they kind of came to the point where Bloody Mary attacks those people who are guilty of something. 
Um, the dad, I for, honestly, at this point, I don't really remember what the dad did, but he, I think he was involved in the death of someone, um, and there was other things going on like that. Um, and so when it came around to Sam and Dean, uh, definitely they were feel, both guilty of all sorts of things, and so the um, Bloody Mary came after them as well. But yeah, I honestly would have to go back and kind of double-check that stuff because I really don't really remember every little detail um, right off the top of my head. We did get some other input over on the Supernatural Cast Facebook page. And again, if you haven't found us over there, you can just search for Supernatural Cast in the Facebook. And we asked if anyone had any input, any thoughts they didn't want to share about Tiger Mommy. We have a few um, here. Dwayne says, seeing Dean in Purgatory going through... Seeing Dean in Purgatory going all Jack Bauer was awesome. Kevin's mom is the is perfect for the role. Can't wait to see what happened to Castiel. It's a good thing I haven't found a spoiler page for the season or I'd be trying to read the weekly scripts as far in advance as possible. And I definitely like the flashbacks to Purgatory. And I definitely want to find out what happens. And as far as I go, I do try to stay away from spoilers. Um, Courtney says, I love Kevin's mom and the whole auction scene. Like I said, I think Dean is more connected to Ben than loves. I really want to know what happened to Cass because something went down and I have this feeling that Cass behind for some reason. As much as I hate to say this, Crowley was right. People who end up working with the Winchesters usually end up dead. Does anyone think Kevin can do more than just read the word of God? Remember how Chuck could see the future. Maybe Kevin knows what Dean did in Purgatory. And I, I think that's a good theory. Because we, I, I have another comment about Chuck and the Prophet thing in a minute. We'll get to, um, I think it was from Dwayne. Um, Courtney also says, can't wait to hear your podcast about this episode. And then Myra chimes in with a couple comments. She says, I was surprised when Kevin and his mom took off. Wonder where he took her off to. And then she says, also, I'm looking forward to learning more about Benny. All right, Dwayne on Monday says, listening to episode 801 podcast, you mentioned when will we see God on the show? And he says, I always felt Chuck was him. Yeah, he said he was a prophet who saw the future and wrote the books, but I thought it'd be quite the swerve that he was God, talking to the boys, leading them. The season five finale story about how the car was the bond that kept the boys together and strong. I don't know. I just felt like the end of the episode, there was more to Chuck than just being a prophet writing the supernatural novels. And uh, I made a, a quick comment back to Dwayne there. And I have a head other people um, say that type of thing I know I've mentioned on the show before I'm a big fan of uh, Derek and Steve's podcast uh, they did a show called uh, Starkville's House of L it was popular I actually came back they're doing Smallville coverage of the Smallville comic books that are out now and then they did a show called Realm 3 where they would take random t- topics three times a week and talk about them and, and that was probably my favorite and they're still on uh, Geek Out Loud over at Geek Out podcast.com but Derek and Steve on one of their episodes around three were talking about the season five finale of Supernatural and Derek made that same thing he thought that Chuck was God and I'm sure probably a lot of people probably think that same thing I'm sure if two people can come up with that independently I'm sure there are other people who probably have as well but yeah I don't know I really don't know if that was the case I kind of feel like they've gone out of their way to be like God is silent God is not here God has abandoned us and I don't know, I just find that interesting. I mean, granted, we've kind of skipped over all those seasons as far as the podcast goes. I don't know. I, I feel like there's definitely something there. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I, okay, we could be wrong about this. I know that as far as we know, officially, you know, God hasn't shown up on the show. I don't remember there ever being a direct reference in the official capacity of of Jesus. Like we've had Lucifer. We've had, you know, all these other, you know, people out there vessels for who and and this and that and we've had all these other deities from all sorts of other religions and mythologies and all these things but i don't remember hearing jesus anywhere which is interesting i guess but anyway i don't know like if chuck was god uh, my my theory on that i think i mentioned this back to um 
to Dwayne in my comment. I don't know, I'm not sure. I think I said I w- it would be cool if he were God, he'd show back up and like reveal himself or something. I don't know. What is your thoughts? Do you? I mean, that could be maybe I should put a poll up on the Facebook page. Do you think Chuck was God or is he just a prophet? Um, <laughs> I mean, we do have in the Bible we have prophets like uh, Elijah, who was um, taken up by a fiery chariot. I think Chuck just kind of disappeared, if I remember right, near near the end of season five. Anyway, we're going to get out of our feedback section because I think that was pretty much all we had from the emails and the Facebook. And we're going to jump into our uh, probably a little longer than four and a half minutes uh, recap this week for Supernatural. And we're going to hit that music. Supernatural Recap. All right. This is a recap for What's Up, Tiger Mommy. <laughs> That's just a funny title. All right, we open up in Chicago where we are introduced to Mr. Villy, an elderly gentleman who has the very first safety deposit at this local bank. He reclaims an apparently magical bone that we later learn is a uh, finger of a frost giant. Um, and he kills a young female bank employee who we can only assume was a virgin that he has five-eighths of later on. Kevin is worried about his mother, and although Dean thinks that they are walking into a trap, he begrudgingly agrees to go to neighbor Michigan, which is actually a full day's drive out of their way. They are able to observe Mrs. Tran through the window. They see an odd behavior from the demon-possessed mailman and gardener. Um, Dean goes around, unplugs the water hose, and is able to kill the gardening demon. The mailman demon gets ambushed by Sam. Kevin's mom, Linda, is being comforted by a friend. Kevin knocks on the door, and Sam and Dean dose Linda with holy water to make sure she's not possessed when she answers it. However, the friend inside is possessed. Sam stops the demon from escaping, and Dean kills it with Ruby's knife. Sam later says that he did this with a reverse exorcism. He did it by saying the verse backwards. Um, kind of an interesting trick there. I uh, haven't seen that one before, I don't guess. Um, Linda is told about what happened to her son and what Crowley is up to, and she does handle this very well. And she wants to tag along on this trip because she's worried about her son and his soul, too, as well. Um, basically, the boys say they have, they have to get a hex bag and a tattoo to go on the trip, and the hex bag will be used to hide their location. The tattoo will be used to seal their body from possession. <laughs> we see them going to get the tattoos, which is kind of funny. His mom is taking it like a man, and Kevin is such a little baby. Um, and then the four of them get to the bus station that appears to be clean, and when they open up the locker where the Word of God should be, they they find instead a diaper bag. Sam and Dean pose as feds, as they pretty much always do. They speak with a security guard who explains that these lockers are being broken into, and they found out it was actually a guy who worked the desk, Clem Smedley, who is now down in the county lockup. Sam and Dean go down to integrate him about the tablet. Dean has some flashbacks and kind of cuts back and forth here. Um, he, he's trying to interrogate a, a mutt, I think is what he calls it, um, there in purgatory. And he, he kind of goes a little like uh, Dwayne says Jack Bauer on him. He didn't have a waterboard, but you know he was definitely torturing this fella. And so basically, it's kind of a, a split screen here almost. Not literally, but they kind of go back and forth. And Dean uses his interrogation methods uh, in the purgatory and in the real world to get the information he needs. Uh, in the purgatory, he learns where Castiel is. Um, if you follow this river and it opens up into a clearing, that's where Cass would be. And he finds out that this um, tablet was taken to a pawn shop on 1st and Main. Dean does kill the mutt, but he doesn't kill the thief in jail. Sam, Dean, Kevin, and his mom all go down to the pawn shop, and there's a 2010 Ferrari outside. Um, This time they're posing as Agents Neil and Six. They inquire about a tablet sold by Clem Smedley. 
Um, and Linda here is very helpful. She she would be a nice addition to the team if they're you know had more of a Scooby gang here. She uses some information about taxes and stuff to scare the guy and to give them some some information about the tablet. They go over to a local motel, room number 129, if I remember correctly. And then some guy dressed in kind of an old-school, European-looking English suit finds them. And he says he's working for Plutus, the god of greed. Um, they give an invitation to Kevin to an auction where they'll be selling the tablet, the Word of God. And then uh, apparently this location has a no-casting, no-cursing policy. And then uh, he does add a plus three to Kevin's invitation. And then they have they come up with a plan. They want to get Kevin close to the tablet so he can try to memorize the spell because he's actually you know a really smart kid. Um, as they enter the auction site, Dean sets off the alarm with his literally a box full of weapons, including Ruby's knife. And here, I honestly thought they were going to lose Ruby's knife. I thought that was going to get stolen, um, but apparently it did not. Um, but in addition to the Word of God, there's also Thor's hammer and Da Vinci's notebook up for auction, as well as some other antique artifacts that are sure to be magical. And very special. Um, Crowley shows up. You know, big surprise there. Uh, Linda does slap him. Plutus arrives, and he kind of reminded me of like a Tony Soprano-looking guy. Um, at least that's what I thought in my my mind. And an-, an angel comes in too. And he's in this a kid's name Alfie. <laughs> he's in his body, and he asks him about uh, protecting the word of God. And he talks about how some in heaven believe Castiel's heart was in the right place, and he says he believes that Castiel's problem was too much heart. Uh, we have another flashback to Purgatory. This time we see Castiel kneeling bound by a river. Dean introduces him to Benny. Castiel says he's sane here again. And then we do see here, he, he finally tells Dean uh, what happened. Because Dean has been looking for him and you know was left all alone. And Castiel says he ran away. He left Dean with the gorilla wolves. Um, Dean said he prayed to Cass every night. Cass knows it. Um, but Cass said he was running trying to protect Dean from the Leviathan. Um, I guess the Leviathan would be after him more so than than Dean for whatever reason. And so that guess that was his little uh, game plan there. The first item is an amulet that sells for five tons of dwarfing gold. So Dean is kind of uh, upset, I guess, by that. He goes to look around. He sees the restroom. He sees some stuff going on. He follows this big guy into a vault, and he picks a lock, and there's some other people in there, so he kind of walks away. And then here we see Mr. Villy again. He's bidding his frost giant finger and five-eighths of a virgin for Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, and he wins it. Crowley and Samandriel, that's the angel in, in Alfie's body, get into a bidding war over the tablet. Um, it goes, Crowley, $3 billion. Samandriel, the Mona Lisa. Crowley, the real Mona Lisa, or at least Mona Lisa's topless. Samandriel bids Vatican City. Crowley tries to bid Alaska. It's rejected, and he bids the moon. He says he's made a deal with Buzz Aldrin. And then the auctioneer adds Kevin Tran to the lot to up the bidding, and Mrs. Tran offers her soul um, for the tablet and her son. Samadriel stops bidding. Crowley tries to bid his soul, which he doesn't have. Thus, Linda wins the tablet because it would cost her everything. Uh, Dean thinks it's actually a small price to pay. Mr. Villy gets his Thor hammer, you know, kind of after the auction's over. And just as Plutus is about to collect Linda's soul, we learn that she has been possessed by Crowley. And we see his red eyes because um, he is a crossroads demon back in the day before he was the king of hell. And so um, Plutus' right-hand man had helped Crowley, and he burned the tattoo off of Linda. Uh, also, Plutus is killed here, and then one of his security team, Crowley, steals the tablet. He runs off, of course, in Linda's body. Dean chases after Crowley. Sam uses Thor hammer to kill Plutus, his little right-hand guy. I don't think I ever gave his name. And then 
Sam also kills Mr. Villy, who appears to be kind of evil. And it was awesome because like Thor's hammer was all full of lightning and stuff, and it was very powerful. And I think like Sam just dropped it. I'm like, dude, why wouldn't you bring that with you anyway? Um, <laughs> Dean catches up with Crowley, who drops the tablet and escapes the body of Linda in red smoke. Crowley reappears in this, another room. He comes out. He grabs the tablet. Monologues about what he's learned from Linda and their whole plan to close the gates of hell and all this kind of stuff. He even makes a, a jab at Kevin, talking about his real father. And he tells Kevin to run from the Winchesters. And then when Linda seems to be in kind of a state of shock, Kevin is very angry uh, that Dean tried to kill her and doesn't want to hear any more speeches. Sam and Dean leave the room. Dean says he didn't knife her because of the meat suit Crowley was using. It was, you know, it was Linda. And then they go back inside, and the room is empty. There's a note that says they've bolted. Kevin thinks that people Dean doesn't need anymore end up dead. And then we do have one last little flashback of Castiel yelling for Dean's help. Um, and it looks like he just let him slide back down this little um, pile of dirt of whatever it was, a cliff and uh, something. And so that's where the episode ends. So we're going to hit our music and we're going to jump into our Supernatural 5 where we discuss five pivotal moments for this week's episode. Supernatural 5, we'll count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode. All right, we're going to jump into our five points of uh, topics here that are important for this week's episode. And uh, there's all sorts of stuff this week we could talk about. Uh, I think we're going to start off with Dean and and kind of a general thing here with kind of his flashbacks and his um, ideas of, of his time in purgatory. One thing we definitely see of Dean's time in purgatory is he likes the torture. He enjoys it um, quite a bit, it seems. And I really thought he was going to kill the fellow there in the jail cell for a little bit. He did not, um, which is probably a better thing for him. But there's that aspect of Dean's character. Kind of went off the deep end maybe a little bit. Kind of had to to survive, I'm sure. And then uh, another part of that whole experience was uh, we do see the reunion with Castiel. We do hear Castiel's admission that he just ran off. He left Dean alone trying to, at least in his mind, um, pull the Leviathan away from Dean and have them following his trail instead. I don't know, I think... Dean was kind of upset with that, being left alone in monster land. And so, I don't know, I'm assuming maybe it was revenge for later on when Dean leaves Cass. Because that's kind of how the episode ends with Cassiel yelling out for help and Dean is not there to give it or is unwilling to. So we'll see, I'm sure, what happens there. Maybe um, in this week's episode that's coming up Wednesday night. Uh, I, I think that's a pretty good thing just to touch on. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to hear more of your opinions about Dean's time in purgatory, please feel free to send those in. We'll give you all their contact info once again at the end of the show. And it all can be found also at SupernaturalCast.com. Um, number four on my list this week is the really weird auction. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Some of the items that were there, various things. We have the Word of God. We have Thor's hammer. We have an amulet. We have, it looks like some Egyptian type stuff. We have Da Vinci's notebook. And this is all put on by the Greek god of greed, which is kind of funny. Plutos, whom I'm assuming is, you know, our planet Pluto is named after just like lots of our other planets that are named after Greek mythology people. So that's kind of interesting. We'll touch on him some more over in our um, folklore mythology section, uh, kind of the highlight of the week in that section, actually. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's fairly interesting how supposedly there was no gonna, not going to be any funny business here in this place, no spells or hexes or curses or whatever, and still um, demon possessions are available there, and uh, <laughs> just, I don't know. It works out. It's good storytelling, I think, for Supernatural of advancing the plot 
and creating some interesting drama. I really enjoyed the auction itself of they were bidding the random objects for the uh, the tablet and that whole deal. I thought that was pretty great. But yeah, definitely went south. And I don't know. I still think it's kind of weird that one soul would be enough to buy that when they were offering all these other things. So that's kind of an interesting idea there. And we speaking of a soul being offered for that stuff in the auction, number three on my list is Linda. Man, Linda was cool. I really like Linda. I hope we see more of her this season. I hope we get, you know, just more interactions with her and the Winchesters. Uh, definitely probably after being demon possessed, she's probably not too happy with them and all that kind of stuff. And I'm um, leaving, you know, with her, with her son, Kevin, but she was feisty. She was, uh, helpful in the pawn shop and she stood up for her son there at the auction in the midst of all these monsters basically so definitely a good classic side character who just stepped up man i enjoy that like she handled the oddity of the supernatural with the greatest of ease and so i think that's pretty awesome i don't know i think that's probably a good statement there but i do definitely hope we see more of her in the future and kind of mentioned it there in part three number two on my list here is gonna be kevin and his mom, but mostly Kevin, decided to leave the Winchesters. And I think part of that was based on what had happened to them already. And then to Crowley's statement saying basically that he needs to run away from the Winchesters and the people who hang out with them die, um, which is not untrue. That is definitely the truth. We really don't have any friends left for Sam and Dean at this point. They're all gone. With the exception of uh, DJ Qualls' character. can't think of his name at the moment. The new guy. Um, he's still out there somewhere, but yeah, but for the most part, all their friends are gone. And so can't uh, say that he was lying in that statement there. And so, yeah, I'm sure we'll see more of the tablet. We'll see more of Kevin Tran later on. And I think, uh, Courtney, I think it was brought up a good point on the, uh, Facebook page. You know, is Kevin a prophet like Chuck? Or as we've already mentioned briefly earlier, was Chuck God himself? I don't think so. I, I personally, I don't think so. I don't know. I really enjoyed Chuck. I enjoyed his storyline. I enjoyed how he narrated the end of season five, which was um, Eric Kripke's final time as showrunner and writer and all the things he was, you know, as a creator of the show. That was kind of his ending of the show. And they have continued the show, obviously, these past three years. Um, without him as a main, you know, focus, he's still got the creative consultant title. He's still got the, you know, develop for television by all that kind of stuff. But, you know, he's not there day to day show running like he used to be so yeah i don't know swan song was a great episode chuck did some cool stuff in swan song i don't know i would love to see more of kevin but the thing is too quite honestly if we look around at this stuff it, just based on the mythology developed in season seven if you break open one of these tablets from wherever it was hidden a prophet is called well if there's a demon tablet out there unless it's been unearthed you know a millennia or two ago there's a prophet that was called when that demon tablet was was unearthed um, you know, just depending on when that might have happened. Um, maybe that was Chuck. Um, who knows? Um, we've never encountered the tablets until, you know, fairly recently in the history of the show. So I don't know, but I'd like to hear more about that. Uh, if you have any thoughts or theories, comments or questions or whatever about those, feel free to share those with us. And we'll be glad to try to incorporate those into the show. All right. That's number two on my list. Number one. And this is definitely important if this is the overarching theme of the season, which I think it is. If they want to shut the gates of hell, can't do that right now without Kevin. And definitely can't do that without the tablet that Crowley has in his possession. And so, again, you know, we <laughs> we were the, the boys were hoping to have this all wrapped up by the end of the, this week, maybe. Uh, <laughs> let's go get Kevin. Let's go get the tablet. Let's go close this portal forever and the end. And obviously it didn't work out that way. It'll probably take another 19, 20 episodes to do it. So 
Uh, again, I just think that's kind of funny, but I don't know. I find I feel I know I know Crowley was trying to get Kevin to open the gates of hell. I guess that you have the door swing both ways, and so maybe that's why he still keeps the tablet around, or maybe he can't destroy it. I don't know. I mean, I know it um, was it Castiel dropped it and broke it in uh, the other tablet about the Leviathan back in season seven. So it definitely can be broken. If you were the uh, Crowley, why wouldn't you just break the thing to a million pieces, or even create a fake one? That that's a good idea. If I was Crowley, I would make a fake tablet that looks like the you know the real thing or whatever that would actually have the spell to open the gates of hell rather than close them. So that when Kevin does his little trick later on, it is not actually what he wants to do. It's the opposite. That would be awesome. That would be a nice little swerve to pull if you were the the demon guy Crowley. But anyway, we'll see what happens with all these crazy things. Um, come May probably. All right, well, we're going to jump into our next segment of the show, and, and the next one we're going to get into is our Supernatural Travel Log, and this definitely will not be as lengthy and crazy as it was last time. We have two places to talk about, and we'll do those. We'll jump into our folklore mythology. We'll have a, another kind of brief pop culture segment, and then a super brief little uh, music segment, because there really wasn't any music this week that I really picked up on. So we're coming in kind of in the waning moments here of the show, and we'll be right back after this little musical break here it's time for the supernatural travel log all right well first up on our travel section this week is the chicago the windy city um chicago land if you will and it is out there in the middle of the country sort of uh definitely has one of the larger populations between new york and los angeles you know, it's been around for, ooh, I don't know, hundred, almost 200 years coming up on it, 180 years now. And it's been, you know, a popular, busy place. We have the famous Chicago Fire back in the early 1900s. We, I mean, today we have all sorts of things in Chicago, such as uh, baseball, the Cubs, the, the White Sox. We have the Chicago Bulls. And I was a huge fan of growing up with Michael Jordan. We have the Chicago Bears. Da Bears! Um, all sorts of stuff going on in Chicago. If you're a podcasting fan, Jimmy Mack from the Force Cast is out that way. <laughs> um, all sorts of stuff. I don't know. There's nothing too specific there. We're in Chicago for Mr. Vili to get his uh, Frost Giant finger back. So that's all we need to know, I guess, about Chicago. And then Neighbor Michigan. I tried to find that in the old Wikipedia and the old Google and uh, couldn't do that. There's plenty of neighbors in Michigan, but not a neighbor in Michigan, if you will. And so, uh, unfortunately, that is not a realistic location for this week. And that is one of the things we like to do here on the uh, Supernatural Cast Travelogue. We do our investigative reports and try to find out if these are indeed real locations. And sometimes they're not. And uh, this week, neighbor Michigan is not. All right. Well, we're going to get into our next segment of the show. And uh, as we've already mentioned, that's going to be our folklore and mythology We've got a couple things to jump into there, um, but I'm going to hit that music and we'll get to talk about those here in just a moment. This Week in Folklore and Mythology. All right, well, there's three things to talk about here, really, and I'm going to start with the um, least important, I guess, of the three, maybe. I'm going to start with Thor. Um, we talked about him, actually, on the episode Scarecrow not too long ago, of how the uh, veneer that was out there was a Norse thing. We talked about some of the different uh, Norse mythology, basically, just some basic stuff. We talked about Thor and how his 
His stuff was, you know, adapted by Marvel. They used a lot of the same ideas and whatnot. They have changed a few things up. One thing they did change up that they used here in Supernatural is Mjolnir. Mjolnir, his hammer, was featured in the episode. And Mjolnir is a name that was developed by Marvel. That was not the original Norse mythology. That was something that Marvel had come up with, which is an interesting thing to use on a Warner Brothers television show, Supernatural. And so I thought I'd point that out. And I think, <laughs> I think that's kind of funny. And I still say, why would you leave Thor's hammer laying on the ground, dude? Sam, what were you thinking? Uh, one other interesting thing I heard about Thor recently, and this was just random, of our day Thursday, it was actually called Thor's Day. I had no idea about that. I don't even remember where I heard that, And uh, but that is the case, um, which is really weird. I had no idea. So that's just an interesting, interesting thing that Thor is connected to every single Thursday we're, we have. So I think that's a crazy little fact. And we'll move on over to Vili, another Norse god. He's the brother of Odin. Mm, Odin's raven. And there's different, uh, I guess, pronunciations, different spellings, all those things just like there is in every deal out there. As the brother of, of Odin, he really still isn't that important. He is... Uh, is not uh, you know all that high on the uh, the list so to speak, but it can be. Um, one thing I've seen is that you could compare Odin and Vili and the other brother V to Zeus, Poseidon, and Hades. Zeus definitely the the big dude in the house. Um, the other two, you know, lesser um, gods, if you will. So I guess that kind of applies here. Odin, Odin's the big dog. And uh, Vili and V are not so big. <laughs> and I think I think we actually mentioned their names, too, on that Scarecrow episode, um, which is kind of funny. But not a lot of stuff here to really get into that's super important. I just thought I'd mention his roots. And then uh, the whole thing with the Frost Giant. Again, that is from the old Norse mythology. That has shown up in the Marvel comics. That has shown up in the movie Thor and all those things. And these are separated from the things we talked about before in that previous episode, the Asir and the Vanir. Um, this is a totally different group. They're supposed to be like giants and uh, otherworldly. And their home world is Jothuhimir or something. I don't know. There are nine worlds in the Norse cosmology. So we'll, we'll move on from that because this is not the Norse mythology podcast. Okay, so now for the biggest one for the week. This is Plutus. Plutus was the Greek god of wealth in the ancient Greek religion or myth, whatever you want to call it. And it was Romanized as Plutus. And that was also the subject of a play by Aristophanes. And that was uh, a satire about Athens at the time that featured the personified god of wealth, Plutus. And apparently, as a comedy, it uses the familiar character types as the stupid master and the insubordinate slave to attack the mortals of the time. So, it was a stupid master and insubordinate slave. Sort of uh, relate that to the Plutus we see in our show here. He was greedy, he wanted wealth, and then his uh, servant, I don't think we ever got his name, don't know who he was, um, turned on him and helped make a deal with Crowley. But anyway, if you want to check out more of that, you can check it out on Wikipedia. I'm sure it's available to download probably for free to your Kindle device if you want to check out Plutus that was a play I guess that's going to wrap up our folklore and mythology section so I really try not I, th- I feel like I drug some of this out way too long last time and I haven't heard any feedback to that effect but I feel like the, the travel section last time was super long so I'm trying to make this a little briefer if I can alright so we're going to move into our pop culture segment and try to pull out a few of our pop culture references here Supernatural and pop culture. 
All right. Well, our first pop culture reference for this week is when they go visit Linda. She <laughs> is asked by Kevin, haven't you ever seen The Exorcist? And uh, she makes a remark of all well, you've been doing the last year is watching movies and television or something. Um, obviously, Exorcist, the uh, William Peter Blatty movie that's based on the book. I think well, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it before. It's pretty popular. Uh, it's been it's been around for a while, close to 40 years now, I guess. And uh, still to this day is one of those people name on the top scary movie list ever. It's right at the top. Usually, I don't really feel like we need to touch on that too much. Uh, just in general, uh, another thing that was here. Um, I do believe we've mentioned it before. I may be wrong. I, I don't see how we haven't mentioned it if we have not. <laughs> Mr. Peanut, at one point, Dean calls Plutus's little friend, and he says, Thank you, Mr. Peanut, which is a reference to Planters Peanuts, and Mr. Peanut is their logo, their mascot, whatever you want to call it, the spokes peanut, so to speak. Uh, it's been around for years and years. If you're not familiar, he has shoes, a top hat. This is Mr. Peanut, a monocle, and a cane. And he's just their little advertising deal. And he's been their logo for close to 100 years. 1916 is when he came about. So definitely one of those American icons in the advertising world. Um, we've talked about Thor's hammer. Um, another thing um, that was briefly mentioned... Crowley says to Dean and Sam, listen to Moose Squirrel, which is a reference to Bullwinkle. And I, I enjoyed watching Bullwinkle uh, growing up. It was one of those syndicated shows. I think it was on Saturday mornings for me at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. And I watched it most weekends, um, you know, years and years after it had been on TV. But the Rocky and Bullwinkle show... Uh, was made back in the late 50s, early 60s. All sorts of stuff in there. Obviously, Rocky and Bullwinkle. You have Boris and Natasha. They tried to make a really bad movie about it several years back. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those fun things. I remember, you know, just, that's just one of those things you, you watched when I was a kid. On um, Full House, Joey would always do his Bullwinkle impression. And I used to do a Bullwinkle impression. I can't even remember what he sounds like anymore. It's been so long. But, but yeah, I always enjoyed that show. I really enjoyed the uh, the time travel with um, Peabody and Sherman. That was one of my favorite segments of that show. So, uh, again, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this stuff. I think most of us know who Rocky and Bullwinkle are. If you don't, um, do a search, and I'm sure you'll you'll find it out there. Um, and there's a few other things that I guess is kind of a pop culturally references. But, I mean, I don't know. It's more historical in my mind. Like the Mona Lisa, the Vatican City... All right, there is one other pop culture reference when they do their uh, agent names. We'll save that for our music section because there's just not any music to talk about this time around. Driver picks the music. All right, we're in our music section and Driver picks the music. And when they go to talk to the guy in the pawn shop, their agents, Neil and Six... And um, maybe you know who I'm talking about already. That, of course, is a reference to Motley Crue, the 80s hair band that I guess still tries to be relevant today, maybe. I don't know. Along with um, Vince Neil, the lead singer, along with Nikki Sixx, the bass guitarist, drummer Tommy Lee, who went on to marry Pamela Anderson, and guitarist Mick Mars. And so they've been around since, I guess, uh, 81, and they had all sorts of hits. But one of those big ones back in the 80s was. Shout at the Devil, um, and there's been plenty of others that were popular songs along the way. Kickstart My Heart, Dr. Feelgood, Girls, 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 there's others. But anyway, they were very popular, um, sold a lot of albums. 
They actually had an album come out back in uh, a few years ago, and it's like they're working on a new one now even. So um, they've sold over 80 million albums worldwide. So definitely a pretty big-time band over the years. So um, sex, drug, and rock and roll to the extreme probably. And <laughs> we'll kind of move on from there. And uh, this is going to bring us up basically to the end of our show. Uh, we have our um, time here. We'll tell you just how you can get in contact with us. And then we're going to tell you or share with you our Dean quote of the week. And that'll be all for this week's episode. So you can get in contact with us all sorts of ways. You can go over to SupernaturalCast.com and you find all this information there. You can go there and you can find our email, which is mail at SupernaturalCast.com. You can find us on Facebook or Google+. Plus. You can find us on iTunes, any of those places. Just search for SupernaturalCast. We're over on Twitter and we are at SupernaturalCast. And that's Supernatural without the L, Cast. And you can call into the show 203-74-SUPER. That's 203 74 Super. And that's going to wrap up our episode for this week. And so for the Supernatural Cast, I am Jimmy Georgia. Peace. It's time for the Dean Quote of the Week. You hit the word of God in a diaper bag? No. Shut up. <laughs>